Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. The Super Friends. The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is the challenge of the Super Friends. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 109, The Ammo Dump. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, for this Ammo Dump, I actually have Robert Atkins, our third host, uh, joining me for this one. Um, Chuck couldn't make it uh, tonight. Uh, no. But for he, all... didn't, he didn't want to, he didn't want to take the dump with us. <laughs> right, <laughs> it was just just us two. And who could blame him, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but I do want to reassure everyone. I know we have a short episode here, but I want to reassure everyone that Chuck is fine. He's still with the show. <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> he's not dead. He's got some personal matters he's dealing with. Nothing, you know, life and death. So you know, his health's fine and stuff like that. But he does have some personal matters. But he has he has promised me that he is going to make every effort to to be on a show in the near future so we can uh we can all get together and and have a good time and hear a few woos and stuff which i really don't miss but (laughs) (laughs) so this this is the ammo dump uh for those of you might be new uh this is the show where we cover any comics that we're reading whether it's in single issues trades whatever um it doesn't have to be new it could be uh, old stuff, whatever. It's just whatever we feel like talking about that's not Star Joe's related, so not the normal stuff that we usually cover. So, um, Robert, since since you're the the, the newbie to this, I, I'll throw it your way if you have something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, mostly I read comics and trade um, just because, uh, just for a few reasons. I mean, I just put them on the shelves in my studio and it's easier to access the books instead of digging through long boxes. Sure. Um, and also I'm not organized enough even to handle like pre-ordering on time. I tried it for a couple months and then it was late and I double bought crap and I was like, this is not working. <laughs> well, well, trust me, not, none of us, even those of us that have a lot of, uh, floppies are not necessarily organized. <laughs> and I do want to say before you get started, uh, that this is a totally spoiler episode. So anything we talk about, make sure you're looking at the show notes to see what issues or trades or whatever that we're talking about. Cause we have full reign to spoil as much of them as we want to. Right. Um, so, but a, a lot of what I'll talk about has probably been out for at least six months so. <laughs> <laughs> or longer. Um, the first thing, um, well, and I kind of, re- it, it, it made me a little sad. I kind of realized I hadn't been reading uh, a lot of comics lately and, and even really kind of keeping up with what's been coming out. Uh, normally I'm kind of listening to comic news podcasts or, or at least um, browsing news sites, just so I have an idea of what's coming up. Or yeah. and then and and I, I usually keep a regular monthly order through in stock trades where I'll get a, a batch of books each month. Um, but I just they've been piling up and I hadn't been reading them. 
and I kind of realized it had probably been two or three months since I had sat down and just read a whole stack of comics. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get on this. <laughs> uh, so the ammo dump kind of gave me some incentive to nice, you know, kick it in gear. Um, I was going back. At, there are a few books that uh, I'll, I'll double dip on, and I buy them digitally, like through Comixology, um, just because I, I'm either really into the characters or the creators. And and I'm, I mean, I, that's, I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine with spending. I mean, it's a rare occasion. I'm fine with spending that three ninety nine or something for a, a digital comic, and then still going back and buying the trade later. Yeah. Um, one of the few books I do that on is the All New X Men. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I have since that book came out. That's been like my favorite title. You know, that's non GI Joe, kind of related. You know, just like eighties related, just more superhero stuff. It. I mean, X Men. Uh, that's what got me into comics was X-Men and G.I. Joe. Um, and Robert, I don't know if you know this, but um, other other hosts on the show are evidently not allowed to like the X-Men. So um, <laughs> I don't know if you knew that rule and saw it in uh, fine print. Yeah. But no, I, I'm happy to have somebody else on that loves the X-Men. So Yeah, it's, in, in this book in particular, um, it, for a long time, you know, I got out of X-Men back it, when uh, Grant Morrison took over. The, you know, in the early 2000s Wise and man. because <laughs> i just felt like it i know i just felt like it deviated too far from what i considered was my x-men you know like those classic 90s 80s yeah. 90s x-men yeah and um you know characters were changing and it was just you know I, I just didn't dig the feel of it i might you know i've got the big omnibus for it and, and i'd be willing to go back and read it with kind of like in hindsight and and i'm not so pissed off that it's like the current continuity sure. <laughs> you know like i could go back and probably appreciate it for what it is and you know take or leave some stuff but um anyway since then i felt like because i got out of it for about two or three years um it was funny as i'm reading x-men you always hear people who say well, i would read x-men but it's just so convoluted i never know where to get in and I was always thinking, what, what are you talking about? It's so easy to follow. But of course, I was buying every book and in every, you know. I was gonna say I, I feel the same way, but but yeah, like you said, I've been reading it for like twenty some years. I'm like, yeah, of course it's not convoluted to me. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're in the middle of it. But once I took those couple years off and came back in, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like this is insanity. And I finally got that that perspective. Um, and then there was, you know, as of let me think, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, maybe right around the uh, Messiah Complex. Okay. You know, the Second Coming, just that time period. Um, I mean, maybe a little bit before that. You know, I, I had, yeah, I, I totally missed the whole Chuck Austin, you know, run and okay, and stuff. But it was really kind of when, kind of Brubaker came on with the Shear stuff and yeah. Uh, anyway, so right about then I was kind of getting back into it and and. And I was also getting it in trade at that point. And so I've been following it a lot, but I just never felt really sucked into the X-Men. Um, I got everything and I read everything and I still enjoyed it, but yeah. I was never like just crazy enthused about it until this all new X-Men came out. Oh yeah. And, and to what you were talking about as far as it, like the past being convoluted and everything else, like I really feel, and I don't know if you feel the same way when I read, all new X-Men number one. Now, granted, I've been reading everything all along, but yeah. I still felt like it was a good title that you could jump on if you just knew the basics of the X-Men and yeah. didn't have to worry about all the crap that's happened in their past and everything. If you knew that stuff, it was even better, but um, I think it was a right. good, good there, individual. Yeah, because like, there's throwaway lines that you really appreciate if you know the history of it. Right. So 
But but it was like when those first couple trades came out, I, I gave them to my dad to read, and he doesn't read comics. But you know, he's familiar with the X Men enough. I'm like, just read these; you'll really like them. And 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 he loved them. That's and cool. um, so yeah, you could not even be reading comics, but pick up these starting with issue one. Yeah, get the premise of it pretty easily, and and it helps when you know like the whole schism aspect between Wolverine and Cyclops, or you know, you know that Xavier had died and this kind of stuff from the X Men. Uh, you know, Avengers versus X Men stuff, and it helps. It's most of the time it's Stuart Eman and drawing it, and oh, it's beautiful! <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So I mean, he's been one, he's been one of my favorite artists for years, yeah. And then he's just really, you know, I mean, he's been this good for a long time, but he's just kind of peaked in his popularity, yeah. And then put with such a you know really good writer with Bendis on. Well, and stuff. that's yeah, that's the other thing I was gonna say is that there's a lot of Bendis haters out there, but I have always liked Bendis's writing. Um, I mean, there might be things here and there, but I think that's true for anybody. Um, but most of the time, if Bendis is writing something, I'm like, I'm willing to give it a try because, I mean, look what he did with the Avengers. And in my opinion, he's, he's starting to do the same thing with the X-Men now. So Yeah, I, I followed that whole run of, uh, you know, the new Avengers. Yep. Run when they, and, and really enjoyed all that. So with the... What I've been reading, of course, so I've been following all new X-Men. You know, each month it comes out, I read it and enjoy it. Um, and what I'm reading recently is uh, some of the most of the issues I read, but the Battle of the Atom. Oh yeah, it's a hardcover trade that I got. It's a little bit oversized, mm-hmm. and um, and the main artists on it are uh, Frank Cho and Stuart Immonen. So uh, I was excited to get that. And and like I said, I'll, I'll, I double buy all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, just because I want to, I still want to be able to hold it and read it, um, and just really kind of pour over the pages. But uh, this, <laughs> um, I but I realized I didn't read every one of these issues because I wasn't getting you know every book right that was included in the story. Like let me look real quick. Like I wasn't getting Uncanny X Men, Wolverine and the X Men, or just the main X Men title on a monthly basis. Like I right. wait for trade on those things. So I did get like the Battle of the Atom one and two, and I got the all new X Men like sixteen and seventeen. <laughs> you were missing a lot. <laughs> but I was missing like four issues in the very middle of the story. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and I think I think if I'm correct, I think even X Men was part of it, like the the female team or something like that. I think they were right. even part yeah. of it. Yeah, for that that was another two or at least one issue, if not two issues. So yeah. so and, I would And I lucked out because they said this crossover was coming and I, and I have cut back on some of my X-Men titles, but just lo and behold, all the titles I was reading were in this crossover. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I felt lost at the end of when I was reading them digitally. So I finally got the trade and, um, and it's really cool because I'm in the middle of getting the whole story now. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, on the regular X-Men title, the issues that have just come out, they're like past this and they're actually dealing with the ramifications of this crossover. Yeah. So I was kind of excited. I, I just got this, I think this this week, and uh, I've been reading through it. So I really enjoy that. And I just, I mean, I I can't say enough praises about this title. Yeah. Just in general, I mean, it's it, it's an easy pickup. Like the, um, especially early on in the series, I loved the the dialogue, um, within the core you know original X Men team. Mm-hmm. It just kind of brought back that nostalgia. Oh, it's yeah. kind of like. It's like reading those old Stanley issues, but with better dialogue. Yep. And yep. <laughs> not all the crazy exposition that yep. is just describing what's happening in the panel. So yep. I'm like, oh, this is. If it was written like this, I would go back and reread those old titles all over again. And none of the 70s groovy 
references <laughs> and the cafe a go-go or whatever it was. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no. And so you're, you're still in the middle of the battle of the atom. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, I know how it ends, but okay. those couple of issues right in the middle, I'm reading those right now. Yeah. So. I'll be interested to hear what you, you think of it because, well, especially since you know, the ending, like I loved it up until the very end. And I, I just felt like the very end, like fizzled, which is kind of unfortunately been uh, what's going on with a lot of Marvel events. But, yeah. um, and, and like I said, I don't want to spoil anything, especially since you're in the middle of it. But like I said, just as far as the story goes, like I was like, Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. And then I got to the last issue. And I'm like, this was okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I think I've probably read that last issue. So, I mean, yeah. what I, what I enjoyed about it was, just, I mean, I, some people might not like the whole time paradox where you have people traveling time. I, I've, I've always liked it because yeah. I like everybody's individual takes on it and what's allowed, what isn't, all the different rules they establish. Yeah. And um, I thought, it, I thought it was actually quite interesting. You have, you know, the team from, you know, the, the '60s, but basically we'll just say the past. Right. And is there with the present, and then you have a team from the future that's a possible team from the future. Right. That has like the the Hulk, the Hulk like Iceman and yep. Jean Grey and Zorn and all that kind of stuff, and then you have another possible futuristic team, and with and like a wizard to, Iceman. And... Yeah, <laughs> Iceman. It's like this ice wizard. Right. Which, <laughs> that was just a great. I love the comments uh, from Bobby about that too. <laughs> yeah, the, to me, those are some of the best yeah. lines throughout the whole series. Is Bobby's comments in general, but also, uh, <laughs> you know, just him talking to his future self. Uh, it just cracks me up every time. Yeah. Um, and then you, know, I loved you know, that initial reveal of Jean Grey in the Zorn costume. Yes. And I love uh, a Colossus with like that big Stalin like mustache. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> like a steel mustache. He looks yep. so cool like, like that. Well, and and you're probably like me. You were talking about like timelines. Like I love time travel stories, even though sometimes they can get pretty messy. Um, yeah. And I love alternate reality stories, and this had both. Um, and right, yeah, that's true. And I even and I love post-apocalyptic stories, and this this had a little bit of that flavor to it also. Yeah. Um, but uh, but like I said, and it, it wasn't that it was a bad ending for me. It just was. It just seemed to wrap up awfully quick for me, and like like I felt like the story could have kept going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I yeah even like uh, just a, even a, at least another issue to help pace out those last five to ten pages right yeah uh, and, and rarely will i ask for an even more deeper more. story <laughs> right especially from bendis but um right. yeah i think that i think you're right like some of the the pacing and some of like the decision at the end from kitty pride and a few others like could have been a little more explained or delved into yeah just a cause, bit. yeah because she made a decision that i was like that seemed a little out of character for her but um it, and she's yeah, one of and she's one of my favorite characters. I mean, she's one of my favorite X Men. So she's she's somebody in this new t- continuity who I think their character has grown the most yeah. from where they started. And yeah. you have people like Cyclops who has changed a lot, mm-hmm. but I don't like necessarily how they've treated him. Yeah. You know, like in that transition, and he's changed, but I don't think he's grown. Whereas yeah. I think the Kitty Pride character has grown into this woman. You know the the teacher, professor of the school, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so it's it, for her to make this step is kind of like, well, where does this take the character and why, you know? Well, and, and I will say the thing with Cyclops that I do find interesting is I feel like he's starting to become uh, a Magneto character. 
um, of what Mike yeah, well, used to be. And I feel like he's now becoming what he, ne- what he used to fight against. Um, and I find that kind of interesting at the same time. It's like, would he actually do that? But I don't know. So they've put a lot of time. They've invested a lot of time in explaining, you know, that transition. So I, mm-hmm. you can't say that they haven't done their due diligence sure. in this makes sense considering everything that's happened. Right. Um, but I just think he's just kind of, you know, he's always been just dumped on. I mean, for the last 10 years, like they just haven't done a good thing with his character. Yeah. In my opinion, it's just, he's constantly reacting and then he comes off as a prick like all the time. Yep. So, well, uh, a couple titles, uh, and I'm going to kind of lump a couple of mine together because I have talked about them on the show before. In fact, Mm -hmm. people are probably, tired of hearing me talk about them, <laughs> but I, I have to talk about them because to me, they were just awesome titles. One is Skyward. Uh, oh, that was one I was going to talk about. By Jeremy Dale. Yeah. Um, I, I just got the colored trade. Too. Yeah, this is, uh, I got the trade from him uh, that was black and white trade uh, a couple yeah. years ago. And then uh, I found out he was doing it through Action Lab. And I was like, well, I got to order this because now it's going to be in color. And I haven't even read the black and white trade yet. So maybe this will be good um, because I've been wanting to read it. And obviously he's got a G.I. Joe background, too. So (laughs) so that that helps. And I've read issues one through four, which I think is all that's out so far. And that's probably my only complaint about the title is um, where the hell is issue five? Um, It's been kind of delayed. It's supposed to be an ongoing series now, which is great because it's sold so well. They've turned it into an ongoing. Um, But the best way I can describe this, uh, number one, I can tell you right now, this this title is one of my nominations for uh, Ammo Dump of 2013 um, because I just love it that much. Yeah. But the way I've described it, and I don't know if you feel the same way, is I blended together uh, Legend of Zelda Mm-hmm. With uh, with like a uh, a Jim Henson dose of like uh, labyrinth and uh, and uh, dark crystal feel to it, mm-hmm. and then throw in a, just a little touch of Lord of the Rings and Willow, <laughs> 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 and I feel like that's the easiest. That's the only way I can describe this book is it has a, a little bit of all of that mixed into it, and I found out later that. I, I believe I heard right is that Jeremy Dale is, is actually a big Legend of Zelda fan. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad I picked that as a reference. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely think that. Um, yeah, that's a good description of it. I mean, because it, it, it has that fantasy uh, type feel. I also have you ever read Scion? You know, the old yeah. story from CrossGen. Yeah. Um, you know, not so you know like kingdoms against each other, but just. You know, that type of, I could see this taking place in that type of world yeah, with yeah. like the anthropomorphic type characters. And then you have regular humans and yep. you know, mixed with uh, just that fantasy feel. Yep. But um, yeah, Jeremy's a good friend of mine and he's um, we've set up at shows you know, a lot and gotten to know each other over the years. Yep. And uh, we've done a few G.I. Joe podcast or uh, panels together at conventions. Yep. And um, so when this was coming out, I was I was really excited. I mean, I just I've always enjoyed his art. And I, yeah, like you, I got the black and white and read through that and enjoyed it. And then to see it in color, though, it just really just brings it to life. And yeah, I really I, feel this I enjoy is... the black and white just at, from the artist standpoint. Sure. And I'm glad I have that. But as far as getting the colors where I can give it to my son, who's like seven, and then yeah. he can 
read it and, and enjoy it that way. Yeah, too. and that's one of the uh, well, a couple things with it. One is it did make me go back and look at the black and white, like you said, for art artistic reasons. I was like, it, I didn't have to read the story; I just was able to pour over the the art and everything. Yeah. Um, and but like you said, I think the color really brings this world to life. I feel like this is one of those titles that needs color um, because of the the type of world he's creating and everything else. It's just the color; it just adds so much to it. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention that I really love with this title is this to me is a true all ages title. Yeah, definitely. Cause I can read it and enjoy it and I can give it to a kid and they can read it and enjoy it. And I feel like I could give it to my dad and he could read it and enjoy it. So, yeah. And in fact, I bought two copies. I got one just for myself and my kids. And then my wife teaches fourth grade. And lately I've been giving her books that she can take into the classroom and it's so limited. Yeah. What she could bring in because even even a, a Marvel DC book, which you think, oh, that should be age appropriate or just you know anybody could read it, it really is not. No, you know? no, obviously I'm not sending in like Suicide Squad or right. or those more mature titles, even from Marvel or DC. But even like a regular Spider-Man book or something. Yeah, you know, there's there's cuss words throughout, and there's yeah. like uh, just women. You're not dressed fully. You know, right. <laughs> I will say there is one Marvel title that is very. I think right now at least is a very good all ages title and that's Nova. Um, oh yeah, that is, yeah, that is true. I should, but, but most, but that's, but that's actually against the norm, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Um, the only thing I've been able to send in is the ultimate Spider-Man line. Yeah. And I sent like all 12 hardcover trades Nice. and the kids like are devouring that. Like they are waiting in line to check them out from her kind of little library stash and, and they're reading them all out of order or whatever. They don't care. Just yeah. a lot of the kids who wouldn't normally sit down and want to read yeah. are grabbing these books. I'm like, see, I mean, kids love these comics and they'll yeah. jump into them, yeah. but they're just not available. Yeah. You know? anyway. Well, and and to just give a, a, a brief idea of what kind of happens in Skyward is there's this kid named uh, Quinn whose uh, dad what has this past where he was like this warrior and everything else, and his past catches up to him. And Quinn is told to run, and basically his mother and father are both killed. Um, right. Uh, or at least we assume that the father was killed. Um, he kind of gets caught in an adventure, and like most adventurers, he starts running into other characters, and other, those other characters have their own stories. Um, I love the rabbits characters. You were talking about like these humanoid type characters. Uh, these are rabbits that are humanoids, but they're like warriors. And I <laughs> they look awesome. I love that last page. <laughs> yeah, I love the one that's like this big beefy guy. That's like it, it's like it's like a rabbit on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's a lot of fun to read. Um, and it's a page turner. And like I said, that's what makes me like, okay, I need issue five. Where's issue five? <laughs> well, I mean, and he, but the thing is it's, he's doing it all himself. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's creating it, plotting it, writing yep. it, penciling yep. it. There isn't an inker. And luckily they have Laura Martin who can come in an amazing colorist yeah. who he shares a, you know, they both live down in Atlanta and they know each other really well. So she's working with him on it. And, um, and I think if you go straight from pencils to colors, I think it can be done really well or it can be done really poorly. Yeah. And I think that luckily he has a really good colorist who can pull it off. And then that will save time not having to ink everything. Yeah. I think obviously every book I read, I wish it could be inked, but, um, Oh yeah. Given this situation, it's a, it's a cost saver, time saver. Absolutely. So not have to ink it yourself. But I mean, so, you know, everybody, it, 
you know, luckily this has uh, done, I think, well enough that he's getting paid for it. Yep. And um, that should help him be on a monthly yeah. schedule. Yeah. And it can, like, help pay his bills. Because I understand. Oh, sure. You, you do those four issues when you can because uh, you have to take on other work to get paid. Right. And then once those that money starts coming in from those four issues and you can use that to pay your bills, then you can work on the next issues. And there's, so there, there's bound to be that gap between yeah. the first arc and if it is going to become an ongoing yeah. when you start seeing product. But hopefully in the next you know six months, this should be hitting the shelves regularly. Yeah, um, I'll be looking forward to that. Um, the other title I wanted to mention, uh, and like I said, I've mentioned it before, is a title called Imagine Agents, and it's from Boom. Mm. I haven't, I haven't read that. And uh, the best way I've been able to describe this one is take Men in Black and Monsters Inc. <laughs> and blend them together. And what the and it's a four issue miniseries. Uh, and I actually posted my reviews on our fan page, like I, I usually do. And the writer and the artist both noticed, as well as I think the editor. Um, uh-huh. And they commented on it. And I think one of them is actually following the Star Joe's fan page now. Um, and they actually communicated with me about it, and they said they're glad they, that I liked it and everything else. And I said there seems to be so much potential there that um, I would love to see more stories in this world. And he said, the hope is that it does well enough that it would turn into an, an ongoing because uh, he has a lot of ideas for it. Um, but the basic idea behind it is uh, kids with imaginary friends. And when they, when a kid turns eight years old uh, on their eighth, eight year old uh, eighth birthday, they no longer can see their imaginary friends. It's kind of like that transition of oh. them growing up. So uh-huh. what these agents come and do is there's these agents just like Men in Black where they come and they take the imaginary friend and they find him. They take him to this uh, to one of their locations. Uh, it's almost like prote- uh, witness protection in a way. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they find him a home and they, they give him a place to stay and everything. Yeah. And, and they... Um, uh, and then there's really neat idea. Yeah. And then some of them, as you can imagine, some of the imagine, uh, imaginary friends get a little rambunctious. So these agents are brought in to, to kind of trap <laughs> them and the adults can't, adults can't see them except for these agents. Cause they have this little device in their ear to help them see them. Um, and there's this one care, one imaginary, uh, friend named Moog who is like, uh, take an Easter Island head, Stonehead and put yeah. like a caterpillar's body on him. And he's kind of like a group type character where he's just like Moog not going anywhere and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and then there's a character named Blounder who's like, uh, looks like a, a gelatinous silly putty looking guy with a little top hat uh, uh, or a derby. And mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's kind of an anomaly because normally everybody has their own imaginary friend, but in, in Blounder's case, he has been passed along through five, like four or five generations of family members. Uh, so every kid in that family has had Blounder as their imaginary friend. Oh, and in our, in the story here, it's, he's the last, uh, he's, he's with the last child in that family and mm-hmm. she's turning eight years old. Um, and then of course, as you can imagine, there's a villain who's named, uh, Dapple and he doesn't want to be controlled by, 
kids and he doesn't want to be controlled by the imaginations anymore. So he finds a way to not have to do that anymore. Um, and that's kind of the main crux behind the story. But it's so cool to see the inventiveness and the art and everything else, because in the background, they'll just be these weird characters. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that, that you can only imagine there's like a ragdoll character who is like built like Bane. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, so there's things like that that I'm just like, it's just fun to look in the background and see like what they came up with, uh, for different, different imaginary friends and everything else. So, uh, it's, it's funny cause my kids right now too, are just in that age that they actually have imaginary friends uh-huh. and I never really, I never did growing up. Um, I think it's just cause I had so many brothers and sisters. Um, but my daughter especially just has dozens, like <laughs> lots. And there's a couple main ones. Um, but I love like each one of them has a specific purpose. Like she has one friend, uh, she calls them her invisible friends. Nice. Uh, and one of them's called nappy nappy <laughs> and she like just takes naps all the time. And so she's like, uh, and she's always talking about, or, you know, my, my daughter, she's always talking about how, uh, she teaches a ninja class. Okay. My, my daughter does <laughs> to all of her invisible friends. Nice. I was like, Oh, well that's, they must, it must be a really good class. Cause I can't see any of them. <laughs> like they're, they're really picking up on this class pretty well. And I asked if I could take the class and she said, uh, no, it's full. Like I'm not allowed. <laughs> so there'll be times where she's in her room and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And she's like, Oh, I'm teaching my ninja class. I'm like, can I come in? She goes, no, of course not. Like, All right. Well, let me know when you're done. You know? <laughs> well, she must've trained what I had as a kid because I didn't have imaginary friends. I had imaginary enemies. Uh, and because I would be in the backyard and I would have a stick and I'd be fighting against ninjas and monsters <laughs> and stuff like that. And nobody else could see, right. Right. TuneCast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to TuneCast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find TuneCast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Did you have another uh, book you wanted to mention? Yeah, um, let me see real quick. Oh yeah, I've been I've been a fan of uh, Danger Girl okay. uh, ever since it had come out. Um, you know, it's a J. Scott Campbell yep. creation. Um, and you know, nine issues came out like in the early to mid two thousands. Uh, you know, it took five or six years for those nine issues to come out. But it, you know, by the time it was all done, it was a fantastic story which is a mix between obviously his influences of like gi joe indiana jones you know charlie's angels all mixed together uh-huh. to this uh title and it was just a real fun tongue-in-cheek you know kind of making fun of all of those genres and and yep. uh those types of comics or stories and but but in an exciting way of course the way he drew it was just uh, all flashy and 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 dynamic and really cool looking so i enjoyed his artwork and i really liked the story um, and I was always just wanting to see more of those characters and more into that world. Um, a couple of, and then he's had a couple like single issues that were drawn and or written by somebody else. Um, he hasn't drawn anything else besides covers based on it, but I mean, he created this world and, um, 
And so whenever they've come out with a new installment or a, a little, even if it's a one shot or a mini series, yep. I always pick it up and I'm excited about it. Um, but I never felt like it really captured the essence of that original series until the G.I. Joe Danger Girl crossover yep. came out yep. last year. And I thought that was just spot on. That was now, amazing, yeah. A lot of that had to do with the fact that the artist John Royal, who draws it, draws exactly like J. Scott Campbell. Yeah. Um, or at least as the way that Campbell drew, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Because even his art has kind of changed a little bit. But um, so I was like, fantastic. I mean, there are guys out there in the industry that draw and it's kind of called like aping somebody else's. Yeah. I don't know why it's called that, but it's basically just drawing exactly like another established artist. Um, and, and some pe- some people's careers are built on that ability to uh, draw like this mainstream artist. And maybe that really well-known artist or art style, you know, that guy like J. Scott Campbell, Joe Matarera, you know, mm-hmm. um, they aren't putting out monthly books. Right. And even if they did, their page rate is so astronomical that, uh, you know, companies have to really pick and choose what they're going to put these people on because they may or may not hit the deadline and you're paying them crazy fees to get it done. Well, along comes a new up and coming artist who draws exactly like that person. Right. And so, hey, we'll pay this guy an introductory fee to draw just like, you know, so and so. And they have the ambition to get a book out every month. You know, so everybody's happy you know now personally i think as personally i think artists you know there's two different opinions do whatever you can to get a paycheck right <laughs> and 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 to support your family and work in comics you know like why not and then the other thing is just kind of that that more hoity-toity artistic integrity like why draw like somebody else when you should be your own creator you know that kind of stuff so i fall i'm i'm i can see both sides of it and i don't I'm not sitting here judging anybody, but I, what I think is I'm glad there's people like John Royal who draw that way uh, because to me, that's how I picture Danger Girl. Yeah. It needs to be drawn like J. Scott Campbell. And this allows us to get more stories. So yeah. I'm excited about it. Now, um, I loved the G.I. Joe Danger Girl crossover. Yeah. I thought it was a classic look at G.I. Joe, like 80s G.I. Joe yep. in a way that we haven't seen from the IDW books. Right. Um, even as much as a real American hero is, you know, that continuity from the eighties, uh, this was just, this one was so tongue in cheek, like the Sunbow cartoon. Yes. Whereas the real American hero is Larry Hammond's baby, you know, yeah. which is, well, those are of, two very different things. Yeah. That, I mean, that was one of my favorite titles last year or, or the year before or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that it was out. I mean, I absolutely adored that. And I got, even though I had all the issues, I got the hardcover of it when it came out. So yeah, me too. Like, you know, the fact that in the dialogue, you can have Roadblock sitting there saying, body massage, right. and, and it be taken seriously is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they can throw that in there. Um, so moving on, there was a a more recent book that came out called Danger Girl Trinity, yep. which is a new, um, I guess it's six issues or, or four to six issues. I'm I, think not it was, sure exactly. I think it was four issues. Um, yeah. I, I picked it up also, so it was... So when that was coming out, now the thing is, it had a few other artists. John Royal was... Um, one of the major artists on it, but it was also uh, Harvey Talabau mm-hmm. and Stephen uh, Molnar. And um, it was interesting because uh, John Royal, of course, kind of draws a lot like J. Scott Campbell. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Stephen Molnar draws a lot like Terry Dodson. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and um, so, it, again, this was kind of a way just to see as if those artists were drawing this book. Um, 
and overall, I really liked it. it was, so that was a book I liked. Uh, it's a big action adventure. It's the uh, mostly the same cast as the original Danger Girl cast working together to solve a crime or to, to basically not not so not they're not so much crime solvers, I guess, no. just action adventure. You know, like obtaining artifacts. And yeah, I, I equate them to like take Indiana Jones and blend it with Charlie's Angels, and that's kind of yeah. the feel you almost get with them. So yeah, it's like they're fighting the good fight, but at the same time. It's it's not necessarily, you know, they're they're always fighting against what you would consider bad guys, right? But it's not because, you know, they're doing it for, I don't know, I guess a greater purpose. But anyway, um, but it's just fun. I mean, it's just really fun action adventure comics that's not superheroes. Yep. You know what I mean? It's, but so I've always enjoyed it whenever. So that that trade just came out and I picked that up and I, I really liked that read. Awesome. Well, I have uh, we're up against the clock or maybe right. a little bit past it, but. Um, I did have I have three real real quick hits I have to I have to mention otherwise yeah, yeah. I'll go nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one is uh, Detective Comics number twenty five. It's a zero year issue. It's all about Jim Gordon. It's a title you could pick up just that one issue um, huh. and read nothing else. You don't even have to be reading a zero year to enjoy it. It is by far for me one of the best Jim Gordon stories I've read in a long time. So it was Detective what number? Uh, Detective Comics number twenty five. Okay. Uh, the art is beautiful, and the story was uh, absolutely incredible. It's of course early days of the Gotham PD when there's corrupt cops and everything else. So right. um, definitely worth checking out, uh, especially if you love uh, Jim Gordon. The cover is freaking gorgeous. As soon as you see the cover, it makes you want to pick it up and read it so cool. um the another one i wanted to hit on was earth 2 number 18 um which is when uh, tom taylor has taken over already for a couple issues i think at this point and tom taylor is no stranger in our world because he's written a lot of star wars comics before um but he's also known for writing the injustice comic uh that's out there and it's doing really well but he's taken over earth 2 and i'm sure it's because of the success of injustice um, the thing that's cool about issue number 18, and this is, again, spoiler warning, is anything can happen on Earth 2. And there is a Batman character out there. And if you've been reading Earth 2, you know that Batman died in the first issue. Uh, oh, okay. the, the Earth 2 Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's a new Batman. And he's darker and he's more intense. And Superman also died in the first issue. But now there's a Superman and he's working for Darkseid. And he's taking over the world. And it's almost, my theory is, is that when they quote unquote died, Superman almost split into two entities, a la Superman red and Superman blue. Right. And because this Batman seems to have some superpowers. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, so I think there's like the good Superman in, in this Batman uh, who kind of remembers Bruce Wayne and everything else. And then there's the evil Superman uh, who remembers dark side. And he's kind of, I, I, that's my theory. I could be totally wrong, but the really cool thing is that this Batman goes in to this uh into this secret headquarters area and he's gonna uh i can't remember if it's like cadmus or something like that but he's gonna he wants to get uh this powerful uh telepath type person and here it turns out to be the jimmy olsen of earth 2 um and then there's a red tornado in this earth 2 and it actually has the brain uh memory of lois lane who had died in earth 2 and then to top it all off, and again, I said there's spoilers. <laughs> this all happens in this issue. Oh, um, he says, well, I have one more person or one more uh, person I need to see while I'm here. 
and they go up to this tube and it's the Joker that's in there and they're like, you can't release him. You can't, you, you can't release the Joker. He, he's uh, maniacal and stuff like that. And he says, I never said anything about releasing him. And he pulls a gun out and shoots him through the head. Whoa, jeez. And you're just like, holy crap, this Batman <laughs> meat is serious business. <laughs> um, so there was that. Um, so Earth 2 is definitely a title to pick up, and it's one of those titles you can pick up and not be reading anything else uh, and be just fine. Which, which sounds crazy considering everything that you just said is in it, but yeah. <laughs> I'll have to um, check that out. And then the last title I wanted to mention, because it, it blew me away with how much I really loved it, um, because I wasn't expecting to like it, is The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. If you like the Hawkeye series, you have yeah. to pick up Superior Foes of Spider-Man. It's got this. Oh. It's got a very similar art style. It's got the very similar tongue-in-cheek um, yeah. comedy to it. In fact, uh, issue five is the one I want to mention. They are tricked. Uh, they're supposed to be the um, s- the new Sinister Six, uh, and they have uh, Speed Demon, the new Beetle, Shocker, Boomerang. And I think it's uh, Mach 5. So there's only five of them, but they keep calling themselves the new Sinister Six. <laughs> and they have to go, they want to go get the head of Silvermane. That's what Boomerang tells them that they're going to get. And the owl, uh, the villain, the owl has them. So they yeah. break into his headquarters. And there's this like map of all the levels. And Boomerang tells them that, you know, well, the elevator's out. So we have to work our way down to get the head of Silvermane. And they have to fight through thugs and these giant scorpions and these werewolves and everything else. Well, while the other people are all fighting, Boomerang happens to be standing by the elevator and he goes, huh, I wonder if this works. And he pushes the button and sure enough, the elevator works. So he gets in the elevator while the rest of his team is fighting through all these these things (laughs) all the way down. So there's just funny comedy like that. Like they run into the Punisher in in one of the issues. Um and uh, they're at a restaurant the Punish- and that they took over, and the Punisher busts in, and, like, Speed Demon, all of a sudden, like, they're standing there all shocked, and Speed Demon just, like, runs away, and you see a pew! And all of a sudden, he, he darts back in because he forgot his leftovers, and then he darts back out again. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good tongue-in-cheek type co- uh, comic, and it's definitely something that makes me laugh every time I read it. Um, so it, it's well worth checking out, like I said, especially if you like the Hawkeye series, because it's done very, very similar. Uh, did you have any last ones that you wanted to just throw out there quickly? Uh, just a couple of quick things to point out. Skyward, um, I was just looking at DCBS, and you can pre-order the next trade paperback now. Nice. Uh, so that's, I believe, issues five through nine. Um, and you can also, the Castle comic book that I'm working on called Unholy Storm, Castle Unholy Storm, you can yep. pre-order the hardcover now, too. And I have that pre-ordered. That. <laughs> so I think out of that, it's a five-issue title, and as far as I know at this point, I'm just doing the first two issues, and then the the, the remaining three issues are done by Will Sliney, who's a guy who worked on Fearless Defenders and a few other things. So, okay. Um, and it was just, when I came on to it back in... I think they approached me to do the book in August and then I didn't get a script until mid October. And they told me in August, they're like, okay, well we'll get you the script as soon as we can, but we're pretty sure that when you get the script, we'll, we'll already be behind. Oh, and that was if I was going to get it like the next week. Right. And so I didn't get it until two and a half months later. Oh, <laughs> and then, so they're like, yeah, there's only about three months and we have five issues worth of comics to do. So, um, nice. as it is like, if I was doing nothing else, 
I might have been able to squeeze that all in, but right. uh, you know, I've been working on two or three other projects all at the same time, so right. I was only able to do those two issues. But nice. Anyway, so that'll be coming out soon, and um, anyway, yeah, I think considering the time we have left, uh. Or don't have left. That's all I got. Okay, no problem. <laughs> well, let me uh, give the shortened version of, of our information. If you want to find us, we're at starjoes.com. You can find us at the forumforgeeks.com where you can communicate with us every day. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, there's a fan page there, and you can actually see comic reviews posted by me uh, every day, and you can see nonsense from Chuck every day posted there as well, um, and which is always fun, actually. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Starjo's Podcast, and uh, I think that's all I'll give for right now. Uh, Robert, where can people find your stuff? Uh, just on Facebook at Robert Atkins Art. My blog is robertatkinsart.blogspot.com. Uh, which has my email there and on Twitter it's just at Robert Atkins Art so it's pretty easy to follow everything um, and yeah that's it okay great well with that we'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle take care everyone back off man I'm a scientist